Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Blue Mages? This is Steven, your host with Phantology Podcast, along with my lifelong friend Josh, here to talk about the recently released Night Angel Nemesis by Brent Weeks. We got an arc for this and read it some time ago. Um, you can check out my kind of initial thoughts on a uh, just a booktube YouTube video that I did about a month ago. But now we're talking a uh, full book. We're not going to do spoilers yet. We're going to start with maybe like 15 to 20 minutes of non-spoiler conversation. And then once we get to it, we'll let you know when we're talking spoilers. So obviously, you know, read the book and then come back and maybe see what our thoughts are there. But uh, before we get started, quick word from our sponsor. All right. So Josh, you get the first crack at it. Uh, what was your kind of like high level opinion of Night Angel Nemesis? Okay. Well, I first want to say that I think I'm going to make like the YouTube thumbnail and title, like read this first, like in capital letters before you read Night Angel Nemesis, because I think we can go over some important things that can help people set their expectations properly and give them a better reading experience. I understand people want to go in, you know, blindly, but I think we can talk about things that like can probably help. I don't know. That That's my impression is that I feel like if I would have gone in with a little bit different frame of reference knowing a little bit more what uh -huh. to expect then then especially the first third of the book or so wouldn't have felt quite so jarring and I probably would have enjoyed more which would have helped my overall enjoyment of the book so having Wait, said what that, do you what do you mean by yeah what do you mean by read this first read this like uh watch this first I mean like this YouTube video or like podcast oh. like I oh, think that good, I think good. that we can yeah. yeah well no I think that I mean look I think that we can give readers a little bit of details on what to expect on um the beginning of the book and what okay. the book is like like not in a spoiler way sure. but just in like a like hey this is what you should expect going into this book and that will i think drastically it would have for me i feel like drastically improved the way that i saw the beginning of the book and i think that's fair for this series because it's been what 12 years i think since he's written since he wrote the first trilogy and there's understandably a lot of questions around Brent Weeks returning back to this world. People don't even know where the story is going to pick up or what the framework is going to be or how it's going to relate to the previous trilogy. So yeah, okay, let's let's do kind of a quick overview of what this book is. And honestly, I had a lot of those questions. Like I didn't, right before I started reading the book, you had posted a little bit of details about like when the book was taking place. And so I, I, right before I started reading the book, I was going kind of blind on uh, as to what was what the book was going to be like. Brent Weeks said some things in a recent AMA. I don't know. You you posted it to the Discord, Stephen. I read some mm -hmm. of it. Seems like you read more than I did. But he said some things that I feel like I kind of disagree with. He said that the book is meant to be able to be read independently of the first trilogy. 
Yeah, I saw that as well. And I, I just don't understand that. I mean, you could, but I feel like you're going to miss out so much of the nuance of the book. It's really hard for me to like place myself in the position as somebody that didn't read the first trilogy. However, right. I don't feel like that would be a good idea. I feel like you're going to enjoy, maybe not, I don't know. This book is very different from the first trilogy. So maybe if you went in not having read the first trilogy, maybe that could help because it's written in a very different style, very different voice, very different, you know, character set, except for a few that are carry carryovers from the first trilogy. Mm -hmm. But for one, you would get the entire first trilogy spoiled, or at least a lot of character development, a lot of characters like you would get that spoiled. Well, and along with that, you would just have to accept like it would be a lot of like telling, not showing writing, because the the events of the first trilogy are important, right? So you would just have to accept like that as, as kind of like history that was being info dumped to you almost rather than having enjoyed reading through the trilogy and understanding and having all the backstory that you've read, mm -hmm. you know, a thousand pages of. Yeah. And um, some uh, not really spoilers for the, the, for Night Angel Nemesis, but maybe spoilers for the first trilogy. But again, this is spoiled in the first, in the first few chapters of the book. Right. So it's not, so if you read the book, then it's not mm -hmm. going to be spoiler, but like, um, Logan is now like kind of tenuously holding on to being king and like you really can feel that if you've read the first trilogy you can like feel how like you know like okay mm, right. yeah he didn't have that firm of a hold on being king like he was pretty new he was trying to figure it out he's not like really what the type of person you would expect to be a strong king like he is in love like he's very just and da 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 and you like understand all this because you saw his whole journey in the first trilogy but like if you hadn't read that and you just come into this book then you just pick oh well there's this king that kylar is like you're told he's friends with mm -hmm. but like you don't really like if for me i i don't feel like i would even care that much about like logan or his kids if it was just this book and then a lot of the plot would not really be super compelling to me yeah just yeah, things like that, that like i think there's a lot of characters that would fall in that camp of of yeah they were really important before and now they're just introduced and so you don't know as the reader like i'm saying if you've only if you're only reading nemesis you would not understand who is important or why it i mean you could just follow the story in the book and, and maybe that's fine but yeah yeah the, the main narrative of the story you're going to follow just fine like okay yes. he's going here for this reason going there for that reason he needs to get this to do that you're going to follow all that just fine but like a lot of the nuance you'd just be like yeah, why does this matter in the in the big picture you know right like janine's character in this book if you didn't know who she was and her journey from the main trilogy you'd have a really crazy perspective on who this character was you would yeah yeah so i think that's going to be a big question because there were i think there were a lot of people who enjoyed lightbringer by brent weeks quite a bit but but bounced off night angel because there is, you know, quite a bit of like violent and unsettling content, like right at the beginning of the book. So I know that, um, you, you know, that turned some people off the series. There's also some, you know, objectification of women issues that were much more prevalent in Brent Week's early writing that popped up in the Night Angel trilogy that also turned some people off. From So I think there's a lot of people who like Brent Week's but didn't like his first trilogy. 
And now they're like, oh, the next week's is out. I want to read it, but I haven't read the first trilogy. So I think there's going to be a lot of people in that camp. And, and we have a, a good friend on Discord who's been asking us about this, who is exactly in that situation. So, yeah. You can. I mean, I, yeah. You can. If, if you did not like the first trilogy, this is very different from the first trilogy. And you could, you would still like, like, I think you would still like it. I'm, I'm not saying that you can't enjoy this book unless you've read the first trilogy. But if you haven't even tried the first trilogy and you think you might like it, you should go try it first. I, I think for sure. If you bounced off of it, like for the reasons you listed, that's valid. Mm-hmm. And you might like, there's still a good chance you would like this book because it it does a lot of those things. Like there's not as much objectification. There's not as much like uh, sexual violence. There's not as much, the like the writing is a lot more polished. You can totally tell mm-hmm. it's his like 10th book or whatever and not his not his first. <laughs> so right. it, it's just, it's a lot better of a book, like in a lot of ways than night angel or than the original trilogy. So if you bounce and want to pick this book up, you can, if you're just new to Mitsayu and like, you're like, where's a good starting point. This would not be what I would recommend as a starting point. Yeah. And if you did just pick it up because you bounced, I think that's fine. You just have to accept that there was a story before that you don't know. Or go go read the Wikipedia and, summaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would sure. say, yeah, yeah. Or I don't know. Try listening to our podcasts and maybe that. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if those are coherent or not. If you haven't actually read the books, <laughs> yeah, right? Or even just probably, read the yeah. There's summaries. Maybe just even read the third book. Like, I feel like he had done. He had stopped doing a lot of the major issues by the time the third book rolls around. I don't think it's the strongest book, but like, yeah, you'd be left knowing a lot of information that would be helpful to know in this book if you just read the third book. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, this is not the ideal starting point, but it is a starting point that can that right. can work. Right. So as long as you understand, there there's no replacing a thousand pages of backstory. I, I maybe how many pages are there? Fifteen hundred pages. Probably in the first night angel trilogy. Yeah, I think they're all there's, like there's no, yeah, there's no replacing all of that. But if you don't care to get into that trilogy and you want to pick up the next weeks, then as long as you understand well, that, you know, go for I, it. Some people might think it's like Mistborn Era One and Era Two. It's like way more involved with that. It picks up just like a few like weeks after the first trilogy, right? Maybe a few months. Let me say yeah, months. The, yeah, months. maybe a few months, a year, maybe tops. Mm-hmm. Whereas like era two of Mistborn, like the characters in era one are kind of like legends and like, I'm not going to give any spoilers for that, but like mm-hmm. there's, it helps to, it help it helps for the lore to read era one first. And I assume most people are reading era two would have read era one, but like in reality, you could enjoy era two just fine as like a standalone right. series. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like this one, it's not like that at all. Like if you're thinking like, oh, and maybe it's like Miss Monroe Era 1 and Era 2. No, no, no. It's like a lot more tied closely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good clarification. So let's get into what the story is a little bit more. First of all, it's a really big book. I think it's it's over 800 pages, right? It's like over 300K words. This is Sanderson Stormlight level of book almost i think those mm, not quite like, that's like 1200 pages th- those are more like 400 450 okay so maybe yeah maybe not quite that much but um this is a very chunky book and one of our criticisms is that it, it doesn't need to be quite this long for the story it's telling it's a first person narrative unlike the uh the original trilogy which is all third person so it's a it's mostly a first person. It's first person with a framing narrative structure as well. 
which we'll maybe talk about more in the spoiler part. Uh, the first person narrator is Kylar. So you're inside his head. It's all from his point of view. So if you enjoy Kylar, then, you know, you're going to get a lot of him here. Uh, but from, you know, the 800 plus pages here, there's a lot of, I don't know, filler. Like it, it just, the story it's, it's telling, it seems like it could have maybe done it in five to 600 pages. So I, I guess now we're transitioning from more of like, what is this book to our opinions on the book? And I'll just say to start off, like my high level opinion is I enjoyed the book. And actually in the weeks since I finished it, I think I liked it. I'm, I'm liking it more now. Like it is a fun book and there's, there's some good fun moments that I can think back on. And, and I'm, you know, I'm glad that I read it. There are definitely some weak points. And I think one of the big ones for me is it just wasn't like super tightly structured. I largely agree with you um, for sure. And like, we usually do our reviews a lot closer to us having read the book, you know, like we usually read the book and then like, if it's both of our first time reading the book, then right. we do the reviews like within a week or two of us finishing it most of the time. Right. Whereas this one, we both read it and it's been like maybe a, a month since we no, finished no, it. It's, it's, it's been like three weeks. The problem was yeah. right after we finished, I went on vacation for a week and a half. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not, a problem. So, it's all good, yeah. but it, it, it for sure has given me, time to reflect on the book and whereas where i feel like i normally just give my thoughts right after finishing the book now it's like okay i'm i've taken a few steps back how does the book look in retrospect mm -hmm. and it's actually holding up better than i would have assumed right after i finished reading it and we kind of talked a little bit this on our read along channel and i think that's kind of surprising but i think a lot of it comes down to the fact that some of the book it's all very competently written all very um, exciting, but there's a lot of, like if you were to just distill the pages of Kylar fighting through a group of people, there'd probably be like a hundred pages of him just like fighting through just faceless enemies to get to a destination. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that may be an exaggeration, but I, I do agree with you. <laughs> like every time, every time the plot needs to go from point A to point B, there's almost always like a thing in between that ends up being, you know, fight through three to 10 different enemies that, yeah, yeah. And it's all of it. very well written. I'd say that Brent Weeks is, is very like, might be the only person that writes like, well, I, I don't know, Driver Comedy does too. He does a very good job of making it cinematic, helping you picture exactly what's going on. You're yeah. like, uh, you're like, oh, there's still an enemy over there that Kylar has to deal with, and he's still dealing with this enemy, and like that. What, like, everything is very well done, and so I'm not saying that like I don't hate that part of this book at all, but like there's just a lot of it, a lot, a lot. And when you're just like reading, and you're just like, oh, I'm reading the. I feel like I just read mm -hmm. this scene, you know, like it's a good scene, but I feel like I just read it. It's kind of like watching a Jason Bourne movie, and you're like, didn't we just see a car chase or like him fight through this building like right, 20 minutes right. ago? And it was just a separate car chase or a separate building. You know, so I feel like when I was like actively reading it, I was kind of focusing on those kind of pacing issues. Whereas now I'm just like, oh, that kind of blurred together and remembering the parts I really did like about it that were mm -hmm. really strong. And that could be a preference thing too. Like if you yeah. really love action movies and you love reading through pretty cool fight scenes, then yeah, there's there's lots of it for you. I, me personally, I prefer more of like the cleverness of writing and seeing what's going on in the plot and looking for 
the character development and the big reveals and the twists and turns like those and those things are there like it's, it's the book certainly has a lot of, of good things but those are like those are the reasons why I enjoy reading not the you know re- repetitive fights so what did you think um and again we'll keep this no spoiler but um I know that coming back to Kylar and being in Kylar's head is probably a very bold thing to do because Kylar is having read, I guess this is spoilers for like the first trilogy, but like he is like an assassin, a wet boy. His morals are kind of all over the place. He's willing to kill innocents in a lot, a lot of the time to like Mm -hmm. achieve his goals. Like, did that work for you being in Kylar's head? Man, that is that's a big question like that that's like the question of this book i feel like we can talk about this this one for a while so first of all the book starts after a very traumatic event that happens at the end of the trilogy i guess we don't need to say what that is right now but kyler starts off in a very bad place and uh, throughout the book you know he continues to be pretty like you know going through a lot of emotional trauma throughout the whole thing Honestly, it was similar to like a Fitz and the Fool books, Robin Hobb, where the characters are just going through, like they're just taking the beating through the, through the emotional ringer. And Kylar seems to be kind of in the same, you know, similar type place. However, um, there's kind of a tonal shift between this book and the previous books. You mentioned it before. It seems like it's a little bit lighter on the violence and the, the darkness and that's interesting since we're in Kyler's head and Kyler is, the, you know, the, the assassin, the person who's doing these bad things. But at the same time, his heart is in the right place. Like he's an assassin with a kind of a code of morals that he really tries to follow. So he, he is a good guy. You know, he's, he's kind of out to do good, even though he's willing to break plenty of rules to do that. So he's an interesting character, but I think my, and, and you know, those are some good things, but I think my main issue with this is the tone that Kylar writes with is really all over the place. Like he goes from, and I said this on my other review too, but he goes from being a dispassionate killer to a young teenage boy that's just kind of like trying to figure life out to like a a sage, uh, it's someone who's giving out sage wisdom and goes through a lot of navel gazing and giving out, you know, really profound advice. And then all of a sudden he's kind of like a bumbling romantic type guy. So he just has so many facets to him, but it's like too many. And it it's the, the switches happen too quickly where there's parts of the book that just fall off to me because it, it feels like it's Brent Weeks writing, not necessarily Kyler writing at times. And I really have trouble nailing down who this guy is because he just seems to be like inhuman with the different the, the number of different sides to him. I totally agree with that. I think that um he sometimes feels more like a like a comic book character or like a TV show or like movie character, you know, in, in the sense that like mm-hmm. sometimes he feels like he's whatever he needs to be for like the scene to really work. You know what I mean? And not to say that he doesn't have like a defined character or like a defined voice, because I think he does. But like you said, if the scene calls for him to be smart, then he's smart. If the scene 
causing for him to think he's smart, but actually not be as smart as he needs to be, then that's what he is. If the mm. scene calls for like some awkward, bumbling, romantic thing, then that's what happens. And and that all comes after the events of the first trilogy where he kind of goes through a lot of growth and especially like the romance department. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just feel like there's things that he would have learned after the first trilogy. And that's kind of where it comes down to maybe writing this as a way for people to start, like maybe hurt a little bit in terms of his character, because he's having to relearn a lot of the same lessons from the first trilogy. And not to say that that doesn't happen. Obviously people like need to relearn lessons in life, but at the same time, you're like, he he was doing this in book two. You know what I mean? Like, do you really need to keep doing it? Well, and I think the explanation for that, that, uh, you know, that Brent Weeks really tries to hammer into our heads throughout the book is that the reason why was because of all the emotional trauma he went through. And so he's really just struggling to get a handle on himself again, almost through the the course of this book, which I think is, is reasonable. Yeah. I think I don't want to spoil things, but I think if I, as background on me, I've been married for like eight years now. And I think that if some, like if something happened, like if, and I was back on the dating market again, not spoil. I don't want to spoil things for the first trilogy, but if I was back on the dating market, Uh I probably wouldn't be like learning the same lessons that like, you know, that I was learning when I was, you know, in my early twenties trying to date, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah. Okay. I just feel like I'm like that part of my, like I'm much more confident in that part of myself. I probably wouldn't need as much like validation as I did back, back then, because like yeah. I found somebody that like loved me for who I am and like validated but a lot Kyler, of parts of myself. But I mean, you're, you're, you're 30 right now or 30. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Right. 31. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Kyler is still early twenties. Like if that, you know, he's, yeah. He he, has, but, he just hasn't had nearly as much time as you have to learn life it, lessons. Yeah. Time is a big thing and age is a big thing, but like also, and like, yeah, you've probably learned a lot of the same lessons that I have, but I, I still feel like, you know, having that experience of having somebody that validates you in those type of ways, you kind of like, you learn those lessons and you, I don't know. I just, I just feel like, oh, I don't know. I just, and that, that relationship in the first book, like it taught him so much and it just hurts me to kind of like, oh, see that a lot of that growth lost. I, but that may just be a more of a me issue than like a book issue. Mm. Let's talk about some good things. So my favorite character in the book was Vi Verdiana. I think, and this was something that I was really looking for in this book because she was kind of starting to emerge as a really cool character in at the towards the end of the first trilogy. And she was awesome in this one. She also, I mean, she's got a ton of sides to her as well, but I think she's much better done. And she's someone that you can really kind of get behind and empathize with. And, and when her and Kyla are, are on screen together, they're great because they have a ton of chemistry and you know, the sexual tension is there, but they also have, you know, they kind of unlock each other emotionally because they're really the only ones that can actually fully understand what the other one has gone through because they know, you know, they just have this inherent understanding with similar backstories and, and growth as, as children. And, and that all plays off really well. So I think those were my favorite scenes. It, it does take a little bit for Vi to get integrated into the plot. Uh, but once that happens, it really picked up for me. 
That's true. Um, and Vi, for me, Vi is by far the best part, part of this book. Her character was really strong. And that's the thing. I feel like Vi learned the lessons from the first trilogy. Like those lessons stayed learned for Vi. You know what I mean? Like she, she grew so she, much. And like the- most of the time she comes across as way more mature than Kylar, mm-hmm. but she definitely has plenty of moments of insecurity. And, you know, she puts on like the Viridiana front is very different than who she is as Vi. And, but I think yeah, both but of it- those things are written very well and you can understand who she is. I agree, but I feel like it felt like a natural continuation from her like progression from the first trilogy. Like sure, it felt okay. like she had learned, like she was struggling with those things. She learned a lot about herself. She became a lot more self confident, and then like she's still like she now that she's starting at like a much higher base, and she's still mm-hmm. learning those lessons. But it feels like yeah, she yeah, hasn't yeah. forgotten everything that she learned. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. I just like if Ky- Kyler would have been handled as well as Vi was handled, then this book would have been a lot better for me not that it was bad but like it would have gone from like good to great type thing vaya just seems she seems like such a you know way a a way more competent character than kyler like let's just say you have some ambiguous mission that needs to be accomplished and you know like who's gonna get it done vi is gonna get it done kyler is gonna like bumble his way through and maybe like by sheer dumb luck accomplish whatever it is but if you just need to say like vi get this done like I feel confident as the reader that she will. No, yeah. What would happen is Kyler would get it done, but then also make like 10 additional problems that then you need to go solve. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And you're like, well, I guess you did what I asked you to do, but like now I just have all these other messes I need to clean up that right, I wasn't right, right. having to deal with. And I mean, not that that's like a bad thing for Kyler's character, but I think as a reader, sometimes it's just fun to cheer for someone who is competent and seems like the competence is deserved. But with Kyler, sometimes it's just frustrating because it's like, I like you accomplished all these things, but did you really deserve to get these done? Because it seems like you never had any idea what was going on and you're just like flying by the seat of your pants the whole time and it always works out. Yeah, I totally agree. But I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. And I guess the, that's, not other... too, that's not too different than the original trilogy either. I, I feel like yeah. we might be kind of veering more into like, Spoiler we're giving, our, we're giving yeah. our opinions, but we're also kind of saying... I, I don't know. I feel like that's yeah. We haven't spoiled anything, but no, we didn't talk plot about points plot points. Yeah. What what else should we say as far as like non-spoiler? Anything people need to know? Um do 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 I'm looking through your notes too. I think talking a little bit about the the overall nature of the plot, like you said, this is a very big book. You the 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 issue with that is some things that you think might be super important are super important and other things that you don't think are going to be super important aren't su- are, are super important and so it's kind of hard to yeah. follow the clues it can be a little tr- you can definitely lose some breadcrumbs that you should be following cuz the book is so long we definitely had to like jump on and talk to each other about what happened at the end happened hadn't how it happened and like go back and reread a few like key scenes and mm-hmm. maybe that was because i finished it at like 2 30 in the morning but like you know it's just there's a lot that happens and i wouldn't say you need to read everything super closely like those aforementioned fight scenes like you can maybe do some skimming through those but like there's other things that you just you kind of need to be tracking most of the threads throughout the book right which is, which is fine it's good you know but um Right. At the end, at the end, there was a there was a pretty big twist, and it definitely required me to go back through 
and actually like flip back pages and try to figure out, like, okay, this is what it was. This is what it was. And it's not, it's not that it wasn't well done. It was honestly just that there was so much happening that it was a little tricky to follow through just based off of the explanation you get at the end. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. And there could have been more time given to that explanation. I think, I think, and we can get more into this in spoilers, but like, I feel like for how big of a book it is, like the falling action could have been a little bit longer, which I don't usually say, I feel like, mm. but um, here I do. I, I do think that that could have been a little bit uh, better explained. Yeah. All right. So high level, uh, the, the writing I think is very good. He, you know, you can definitely say like, like you said earlier, Josh, this is his ninth or 10th book and it's definitely not his first anymore. The prose is very solid. Um, it's an enjoyable book to read in that aspect. Pacing, we were kind of back and forth on. It starts off fairly slow. And honestly, the first the first third, I was not super enjoying the book. And then it picked up and got better and better as it went on. So I can see with a long book that may be a little tricky for some people to you know, sustain the interest with the beginning that's yeah, not the strongest. Totally agree with that. Um, what would you say, like, are you should we give our ratings now in the non spoiler, or what, what do you think we should? Yeah, do? yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say, what do you think out of 10? I, I'm going back because I want to see what I what I said in the read along, what uh, what I thought my and as you mentioned that. So, if you are interested in our more detailed thoughts about Night Angel Nemesis, or you just want to chat with people about it as you're reading, hop on our Discord and we're gonna. So, as we were reading. Back in April, March and April, we were writing down our thoughts in a Discord channel that we made private, and we'll make that public as soon as the book comes out. So if you want to go back and see what we were thinking, or you just want to record your thoughts and maybe get some input, then join our Discord and check that out. It'll be a read-along channel. And answer and ask, for sure, answer and ask questions about this book, I think, specifically. Yeah. Yep. So I said, and I think that this was probably about 80% of the way through um, when I said this. I said, I think the ending of the book would have to be stellar to get 7.5 for me. I think if, if it's like the majority of the book, the rest of the book, it would be at the lower range of six, high seven. If it's amazing, maybe it can get a 7.5 and have to fall pretty hard on its face to get less than a six. I don't know if I stand by that because the ending was good, probably even great in a lot of ways. I don't want to say it's like amazing or fantastic, but I think I'm still going to give it a 7.5. And I think that's just the looking back on the book, forgiving some of the plotting and pacing issues. I think there are a lot of other things that I really enjoyed about it. So I'm going to mm. stick with a 7.5. And in my initial review, I give it an eight. So I'm going to stick with that. I, th I think that feels about right. This is, this is a solid book, very well written, you know, obviously written by, um, you know, a very well established and a good author that's put a lot of work into it and, and it shows, right. Um, there are some weaknesses, which we, talked about quite a bit already and you know we can it's it's pretty easy to nitpick things but there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens in this book and i think it's definitely worth reading if you like and that's like a 7.5 coming from me considering it's his like 10th book you know what i mean like i wouldn't rate that a 7.5 if it was someone's first book like higher you know what i mean but like all things considered comparing it to mm -hmm. his other works and like kind of putting in in context of where it sits yeah yeah anyway should we talk, should we talk spoilers? Yeah. I think most of it is going to be censored around the end because, you know, like that's where, what I really want to talk about mostly, but we can talk through right. the plot. 
yeah let's transition over to spoilers so um so now now it's happening so no getting mad at us if you're this listening. is like plot spoilers from here yes, on you, out. Have, you have plenty of time to tune out now okay so before we talk about the end can we just kind of let, let's maybe walk through a few other plot points like mm-hmm. let's say in the first third of the book which is from the beginning up until they i think that's about the third when when Vi joins in and they go into the party, right? Impressions on that, what stood out for you in that part? This, I think both of us thought this part was not super strong. It, it, okay, so one, jarring to get first person narrative, first person, jarring to see Kyler's voice and like just knowing that he's going to be changing a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, jarring to see him like kind of making commentary about uh, stuff that he would really have no business making commentary about in my opinion. So all that was like just from page one kind of jarring for me. Yeah. I think we we were both thinking initially that it was a little cheesy. It was, and that kind of, for whatever reason that went away, I don't know if I got used to it or was more forgiving of it, or if the tone kind of changed as events became more dire. Yeah. But yeah, circumstances became more dire. But I remember it, it, thinking like, for sure, this is kind of cheesy and I don't love it. It almost, and like, I don't mean this in like a bad way about like fan fiction, but almost felt like somebody writing fan fiction of Kyle are going on like a, like a mission. You know what I mean? Like good fan fiction. Cause obviously Brent Weeks is like an amazing author, but like it kind of had that feel of like, this doesn't really feel like the same character that we had from the first series. It's like a change in perspective and it just felt kind of jarring is the best way I can mm. say it. Not what I expected. And I agree. Like something got better, changed weeks, got better, like more comfortable writing in Kyler's voice as the book went on. Maybe that's just me getting more used to it. Or he actually did, you know, after you put 150,000 words down on the paper, you're probably going to just get more comfortable <laughs> with it. I don't know if uh-huh. like, he wrote, wrote it chronologically, but that was my feeling about it too. In terms of the actual plot, just kind of traditional inciting instance, like opens up on like an exciting scene of him, you know, doing an assassination. What else would you expect from like Night Angel? Right. And then like the inciting incident of the kids getting kidnapped. I feel like, I don't know. What did you think about like Lady Jair? Like, I felt like in some ways it was just like to introduce Ripriam. I always struggled for how to say his name, but like. Yeah, Rith. Yeah, honestly, I don't. We didn't listen to it, so I don't know yeah. how to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, Re- Rephaim, maybe. Rephaim. Okay, it's got the apostrophe in there. R e p h a apostrophe i m. Rephaim. It sounds kind of sinister. I, I, well, let's say it like that. Yeah. So he, he kills Lady Jadwin at the beginning. Or Jadwin, which sorry, is, not Jire. Yeah, sorry. Right, yeah. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is definitely important again for the first trilogy. You're not going to understand why this is someone worth killing if you didn't read the first trilogy yeah i mean i thought that was fine right like inciting incident usually a, a lot of fantasy books start that way it's a good way to start it's, it's pretty classical and and it was exciting and then with the kids being kidnapped like i thought all that stuff was fine it was maybe a little annoying for kyler to be moping around but it's also very understandable with you know with Aline having just recently died and i'm still obviously not coping with it very well yeah i mean as we talk through it, like the actual plot events seem to be fine. I guess maybe it's just because there were so many pages 
and there weren't a ton of things that was happening is mostly like moving the pieces into position during this part. And also because Vi wasn't in it yet, it was definitely, we were definitely kind of missing that, you know, unlocking of Kyler's character. Yeah, that, that's my opinion on why, on why it wasn't super strong. Yeah, it's just kind of hard because like, you know, I feel like the insight, like it could have opened up on like the kids just getting kidnapped, you know, like it almost felt like here, let's tie up a loose end. And, and also like from the first trilogy, but again, like there's a lot of other loose ends that didn't get tied up from the first trilogy. Well, it, it also introduced uh, Rephaim. Yeah, but he was also introduced in the kidnapping attempt. Like he could have just been yeah. kidnapped, introduced yeah. there, I feel like. I don't want to get like too tied down, but like these are kind of examples of like, did need to be this long? Did this many things need to happen? Honestly, the way that he was introduced, Rephaim was introduced, was a little confusing to me later in the book because my impression of this guy was he was kind of like a jumped up noble that just bought his position. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the book, he is literally like the second most important person in the entire world. When well, like maybe named, first most important person. Well, after after the Empress, right? I don't he, know. He gets, I think he's more important than the Empress. Well, he gets put in the position, which is second most important in uh, Alatira, oh, right? Yeah. But like, I think in realistically, like in actuality, he's actually I mean, yeah, important. maybe in terms of like whatever his yeah. mysterious power or whoever this guy is, he's some kind of like otherworldly being. We really don't know, honestly, at the end of this book. But it was... It's a little confusing to me to go from him being introduced as kind of important, but someone that it seems like Kyler should be able to handle to all of a sudden he, like everyone in the world is acknowledging him as incredibly important. And I feel like we maybe missed a little bit of that transition. Yeah. I do feel like the kidnapping job, like made that more intense because you did see that he was somebody that Kyler like. Oh yeah. No, in terms of like his, In terms of his power and like seek sinister, you know, whatever's going on. And like, that was all really well done. I think it was just confusing to me as to like how he was recognized by everyone else. Like, why did the Empress choose him? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's got some influence over her. And that was like, that's the whole thing. Yeah. These are the things that like, I feel like a discussion would really bring out and like, yeah. they were probably breadcrumbs laid, but it kind of just did seem like he, just kind of for, like forced himself in there and also know. interesting like if logan had accepted her marriage proposal that he you know when when they were at the party right he turns her down mm-hmm. then logan would have been in that position and i don't know what Raphaim would have done at that point probably would have just killed logan right yeah probably probably would have tried to do that probably. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. kidnap his kid and kill him and then like yeah, I don't know. I feel like the thing with Rufium, I, I do feel like that character, I buy that he has like plan upon plan upon plan and like anything that happens, he's going to twist it to go his way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like better than better than a certain villain from uh, the Rings of Power series. <laughs> why, why are we bringing up Rings of Power, man? Well, it's it's always what I go back to when I think because I thought that was a good discussion. How I mean, I think we could say spoilers for Rings of Power at this point. How, how Sauron just like was not competent at all it's a really good comparison when you think about villain do you want your villain to be competent and i do feel like Rephaim hat was was competent like i was convinced that this guy knew he had plans he knew what he was doing unlike sauron who bumbled around and finally you know got the yeah that was that was a joke 
well, it failed in a lot of ways. Anyway, but I do feel like, and I, I don't know if we should say, because I don't think he's introduced as a villain, but the villain from Lightbringer, like, I feel like this is what I'm really excited for about this series is I feel like that was one okay. of the best parts of Lightbringer was the villain from there. And like the moral like ambi- is, ambiguity there. And, yeah. I, he's not even like a true, yeah. true classical villain, but like, he's kind of the antagonist for most of the series. Right. And I right. feel like if, if we can pull off what he did with that character and then this nemesis series then right. that's going to elevate the series a lot yeah for a while Rephaim seemed to be kind of your traditional mustache twirling villain who kidnapped the kids and is you know doing evil stuff but then when he when he uh captures kylar and they have that whole moral discussion and he's pushing people off the boat like that part was pretty good and i think really made him a better villain yeah and yeah and that, that part was kind of, I don't know, I felt like it was kind of weeks wanting to do some like pop, pop psychology, like just have an interesting moral kind of conversation. You know, it could have been like an episode of The Good Place or something like that. But yeah, okay. The, but but like just that, that was that scene. But the fact that it carried through and like actually impacted Kylar as a character. And then like you you saw that it was a like just a piece of the puzzle that referendum was like moving around was that conversation, not like his entire plan, you know what I mean? Made it more palatable than like just the scene itself, if that makes sense. And I know you kind of disagree with me on this, but I think it, I think that scene was good foreshadowing for the ending. <sighs> okay. So yeah, I guess we're doing full spoilers. I just think that there's such I mean, a difference. Well, should, should we go? I, I think it's interesting. Let's go to the ending. Now we can go back to anything else later. Okay. I just think, that there's such a difference from killing a random stranger on a boat to like save another person. to like going and killing your child, even if it's to save everything, like even if it's to save a thousand people, including the person you're in love with, it, it would just be, it's, it's just such a different thing, you know? And, and, and like, maybe it was cause I think I, I read it the same time. I watched the, like the same week that we finished the last of us that like the, that episode aired. And okay. obviously no spoilers for that, but like, ah, it was just watching that and then reading yeah, this. I'm like, that goes in uh, a different direction. We'll say. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, like he was under the impression that if those null magical waves continued, just everyone is going to die. Right. He, including Kylar himself. Like there was no, there was no alternative. Everything, the world was it was all going crap the, the, then you let it burn right that like that's what i would say then you then you're like okay well then like i'm not going to be the one that does it but and, and like you have the ability to save something or just lose everything entirely i i don't know i just i still feel like it's it's your child like that's the one thing you can cr- control is like not killing your child and and like not let alone Somebody needs to explain to me because I really, really hope that there's like a good explanation on one why Kylar wouldn't have just figured out that he could use the Kikiri to like eat the magic. Like right. that seems like so obvious. Right. He did yeah, it throughout I, the entire book. And, well, and there he needs to be it, an explanation. He, he didn't do it at he didn't like absorb magic a ton. It, it no, over and over it was like the ship's plate was made out of magic. But the Kikiri needed to like find the right code so that it could like right, eat yeah, the yeah, magic. Yeah. Like that was maybe that's just good foreshadowing or whatever. Yeah. But like, come on, like 
you have this tool where it's like main purpose is that it it's the consumer of magic and then you have a magic kid who's blowing right. everything up eat the magic like how it, well and then the kikiri for like withholding that information <laughs> i don't know it just ah oh, in some ways the ending works so well in other ways you're just like the character should have been smarter than that the frustrating the thing that i really can't excuse is there was a part literally just moments before where he does absorb magic from some mage that he kills. Like the mage is almost dead and he's like, oh, maybe I could have the Kakari go and suck up his magic and kind of like, re- I think he replenishes his own supply or something by doing that. That seems exactly what he needed to do. And he just yeah. did it. And and the other thing, it's like, this was, he knew that this was coming. Like he had time to plan and like think about it. You know, it's not like, in the moment he realized that the kid's magic was going to destroy the ship. It was like for the majority of the book, you knew the kid's magic was going to destroy the ship. So it, it wasn't like in the moment he had to choose like right then mm-hmm. if he was going to like kill the kid or save everybody on the ship, including Vi. It was like, Nope, I'm going to, you know, and the, 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 okay. The other thing is you find out that Vi had a ship that was just waiting for them. So she got up there, saw that he was about to kill the kid. He, she could have just been like, hey, Kylar, let's make a break for it. I got a ship over there. Like, I know that she, she didn't have time well, to make no, it to she him. Did, she didn't get there in time. He he thought that he kills Caden before she was there. See, I have to so go back he was that. Basically, the events where he was running out of time, he hadn't seen Vi yet. He does it. Vi bursts in, saves the day, basically, but- as we expect from Vi. She gets there. She grabs Caden from him. Oh yeah, the, the I think box. she she like yeah she like gives him back the knife thing, which or no she she tries to take Caden from him. He freaks out and then he jumps off. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. That's fine. I I, I just thought. So of that like right may, then. yeah maybe he would have said yeah maybe she would have said hey you know get on the ship with me but he freaked out yeah. and jumped off or but also you have like. You have an pretty much an indestructible box that like your kid you can put your kid in and you can be like, well, you know, like even if he died, like I'm just gonna he'll probably be fine. Like somebody will probably see this wreck, come find the box, and like even if everybody else on the ship dies, like his kid would probably still live. So the Moses plan? Yeah, yeah, the Moses. I like it. The Moses plan. Send him down the Nile, like the sharks probably aren't gonna be able the shark things probably aren't gonna be able to break open that magic box. And one of the Chandry members that comes to clean everything up will see the box and be like, oh, that's the kid. And at least you save your kid. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just feel like I just feel like there are options that were like clearly there that like Kylar, as somebody who just always finds the third option, would have been able to find. And like it just didn't do enough to me. Like you said that scene did enough, like was foreshadowing enough for you. It just didn't maybe if it comes out that like referee however you say his name like manipulated kylar with that previous conversation to think that that was his only choice maybe you could retcon it so that i could buy it <sighs> anyway i, I think it. what you were i think what you were supposed to think josh was events were happening so quickly and kylar just never had a grip on who to trust or what to believe or anything so he's really just running along trying to figure things out the entire time and so yeah like as a third party reader who's looking at this dispassionately, you can maybe think like, okay, he could have done this or this or this. But in the heat of the moment with, you know, people constantly trying to kill you every time you step out of the hallway, literally, 
uh, there, he just didn't have time to like fully put a plan together of how to deal with it. And so eventually everything caught up with him and he, he thought he had no other options. Fair enough. We can, we can move on from it. That was hard yeah. for me. That was, it was not, it's not like a ruining thing. It was a decision. I can respect it. I'd want to hear like other opposing opinions, but that's something where yeah. it's just hard for me. So I, I like, I, think, I wasn't going to put the book book down, but like after I read that scene, like that was, that just didn't work for me. That was like, yeah, the, I think my frustration with that is at the end of the book, we're basically once again, hitting reset on Tyler because we're putting him in a very similar emotional state as to when he started this book, having just killed his loved one, right? Like his family by his own hand. And I know it was different. But that felt earned to me. That felt earned. Like that felt like you have no other decision. Everyone's going to die. She has agency and is picking it. Like that felt earned. That felt powerful when when he had to kill Elaine. And like this, it, it just didn't, I don't know. Maybe it's because it was a baby. So it's never going to feel justified to me. But like, right, right. Yeah. And I know it's different. I'm just saying the emotional state that he's in, like he, he's really got one family member, Eileen, and he kills her. And now he's got one family member again, his son, Caden, and he, and he kills him. And so going into this next book, once again, we're kind of resetting on him and he's going to be in this crappy emotional state. And that's why I say it's pretty similar to a, a Robin Hoffman's in the fool book yeah. where he's just like constantly going through the ringer. Yeah. Okay, let's talk so about it. Some... It would just, it would, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to see him make some growth happen. And like maybe he grows throughout the course of the book, but it all happens so quickly. And then once again, he's in this crappy emotional state. So it doesn't really feel like he's grown at all as a character after 800 plus pages. What so, about Fena? Fena? Oh, sorry. You had, you had where you want yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was also going to. Yeah, Fena is fine. I thought she was an interesting character at first and then she disappeared for a really long time. And then she shows up at the end. It, it was, I thought the breadcrumbs were there pretty well where she was an interesting character, but she was also like, things were off with her. And then you figure out like by the end you realize, okay, she does have this other plan. And she was supposed to be like the nursemaid in Mama Kay's version of the plan. And it was interesting how, you know, there were several different plans of how to resolve this and, none of them really work out yeah the 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 like the sexual tension really felt forced with her like i wasn't really buying that i don't know why that necessarily needed to be included like every woman that kylar meets does not need to be a romantic interest other than that i thought she was a good character though totally agree like why yeah you did not the romance i mean it's fine but there just has to be a love triangle i guess in like a brentwick week's book yeah like i don't know i mean i know love triangles get a lot of flack and like the community like the fantasy community i honestly don't mind a good love triangle but like again like you said i don't know this doesn't need to be a romantic interest i don't think but whatever it is what it is that that was the book that was the part of the book that i really felt the drag to was everything before the party once the party started mm-hmm. happening and Vi got again. Vi got introduced in the main in the main plot. It, the book really started moving for me, right? Which is interesting because so you have the first third of the book where he's traveling along. He goes to the um, Blue Mages and meets Vitruvius, and then he goes into the party, and the whole party stuff happens, and he goes on the ship, and the ship stuff happens, and and like that's it. Like 
it's pretty easy to summarize the book if you want to go high level, but then if you want to go into the details, there's a lot. So looking back at a review, it is a little hard to like say, okay, how is this 800 plus pages? Like there were things yeah. that happened, but yeah, I guess there was just like- That's why I honestly wasn't trying to exaggerate when I would say a hundred pages of it was him fighting, going down halls and really yeah, fighting lot, people. Like I don't think, it, I honestly, that wasn't an exaggeration. Yeah. It would, <laughs> I mean, there were all the pages of the framing story, which was maybe like 50 to 75 pages. Yeah, maybe of, even longer. Yeah. Yeah. But, I thought that I thought that part was all pretty good. Yeah. Like I, I like the framing narrative. I think it I think you can tell really interesting stories by doing that. And the way that it was kind of a mystery of like how did the book get here? And then the the Kakari was in the book and is now with Vi. I thought that was really cool. That was probably that my seems like something I should. Yeah, that seems like something that was really, really well laid mm-hmm. out and like something that a lot of people are going to pick up on and just be like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that yeah. I'm going to say that was the best twist in the whole book because the whole time it was this mystery of like how this book is really magical. How is it doing this? And they had all these different thoughts to it. And it was it was funny, like it had the the Kakari like personality to it. And there was that funny scene where sister Ayaya was trying to like read over Vi's shoulder and it started insulting her with this false narrative. Yeah. That so was it, great. it was, it was very well set up. And then at the end, when the Kakari came out of there, that was cool. And it, that the fact that Vi has it now is cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the next book. Yeah. Same, same with me again, Vi super interesting. Like if we just got a series from Vi's perspective, I I'd be down for it. I think that, uh, Vitruvius is an interesting character. I feel like the one kind of minor nitpick I had with the book is like throughout most of it, like these bracelets seem like a really big deal. Like that was the whole like pretty large part of the mission was to go like steal a bracelet from Vitruvius and, and like break into like one of the most heavily guarded like magic schools in the area so that he could steal this bracelet and then by the time he gets there, it's like bracelets are just being like swapped and pickpocketed oh, yeah. and like traded yeah. like they're nobody's business. So it's like on one level, like for this item, he had to go like do all these crazy things, break into this crazy high security area, like fight off like all this, this magic school of people. And then like, oh, he could have just pickpocketed from somebody on the way in. Uh-huh. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, maybe it was more of the fact of getting into the party was the hard thing. And then once he got in and he figured out how to do it and it was much easier. Yeah. Yeah. It did seem like, but it seems like it was easy yeah. to steal those off people's wrists. So it seems like the plan should have been, yeah, let's go to the party while we're walking in. I'll steal it off somebody's wrist. And then it's like, they'll get kicked out and I'll walk in. Yeah. Well, I, I think know. this goes back to one of my frustrations, which was Kylar never had any idea what was going on mm-hmm. by the end. So when he finally meets with the Chandri and gets like a sniff, the plan, that's the most informed he is the entire book. Because even when he's with uh, Fina and he's just on Mama K's orders, he never knows what's going on. He just follows. It's just annoying to me to have a main character who doesn't seem to have agency of their own to make decisions because they're just following along with what they're being told by others the whole time. I think part of it makes sense because he would have probably acted a lot differently had he known that he was, that the kid was the object the entire time. Like he probably wouldn't have tra- trusted the Chandri. He probably wouldn't have trusted Fina. 
you probably wouldn't have even trusted by as he's right to do because mm. all these people like he only wants that child to get back to to logan right and oh, so yeah, for sure he should not trust these he people, would have yeah. gone rogue like immediately had he known like what the actual plan was so i buy it in in some sense like i, I get that but you're right it was kind of frustrating yeah when you say that it does make sense that people wanted to withhold information from him feels like maybe he should have been more demanding and not as accepting of like okay yeah sure i'll go along with whatever you tell me the plan is it it, it feels like he was giving up his agency just to go on a mission you know he's like i don't even want to do this like i i need you know like i'm just gonna go do what Mm -hmm. mom and kate tells me because i trust her and like so that's what i'm gonna do yeah uh like sexual tension with vi relationship stuff there like how is that for you yeah good i i think that it was heartbreaking like because he she pretty much like raped him you know by putting that that like veil or like using the glamour glamour or whatever Uh that was pretty heartbreaking when you realize that that happened and and you can see like how much that kind of broke by Mm -hmm. i think that that was a part of the book that like it might be easy to like gloss over and i hope that weeks doesn't gloss over that and i hope that that does come between Vi and, and uh, Kyler in the future is that she took so much advantage of him and like took away his agency in a lot of ways with doing that. Well, Kyler, I don't think he ever realized that. Well, I know. I don't think he did either, but like, I hope that still comes. Sure. Like I, I hope that Vi kind of feels like she ruined the relationship and then like, okay. Okay. Um, and then is having to like eventually reveal that to Kylar as to why she can't be with him anymore or why she needs time or why she like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just hope it is something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, it should cause that's be the impactful. thing is I feel like weeks struggles to make, and this might be one of the issues with having so much sexual violence in his books is he really, I think, and sometimes does struggle to make it impactful and like traumatic for the characters in a way that's realistic. And so hopefully you can like get that right this time, even if it's not as like violently sexual mm-hmm. violence in some ways, you know, like it's not like some of the stuff from the first series where it was like you know, violent, but yeah. it's still like really not okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I thought um, aside from that, I thought all of their, their relationship was just very well done where both of them obviously have strong feelings for each other, but they're both so broken that they can't really reveal it and they try to, but they just totally fail and getting Vi's perspective as she's reading through the book was really good um, in, in cementing what that relationship was. Totally agree. Yeah. That was, that framing story was a really big, if that framing story wasn't there, I think that it would have, it would have hurt the book a lot. I think that the framing story did, mm-hmm. uh, went a long way to help the book. Yeah. All right. Um, any like last words that, there are obviously more details we could talk about, but we're low on time. So final. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, few few quick kind of bullet points. Really excited for Reframe. I know we talked about that. Really excited for like how that connects to like the larger conflict that's going to be hopefully being introduced. I think that he potentially is the best part of the series moving forward. We'll see how that happens. I hope that it's not Kylar just doesn't go torture himself and then like that happens in between books and by the next bu- book he's back to being fine. I hope that there's actual stakes for what happened in this book and for the decision that he made. Finally, I did not know that this was kind of like a shared universe with Lightbringer, which I found stumbling upon Reddit um, threads. 
after and i uh, i hadn't read the first trilogy when i read lightbringer so i think i tried to avoid those kind of conversations but i'm looking for it seems like there might be some things moving forward that tie these together in the cosmic right. way right it seems like it's very loosely connected right now but i'm guessing with this kind of emerging plot of monsters or otherworldly creatures coming towards this oh i I also want to say this whole thing is like a dark forest situation right (laughs) where they set off this beam of magical energy across the universe and now they've like lit up whatever the name of their world is and now you know all the all the otherworldly beings are are coming for them so you know a little connection there to three body problem yeah I'm, i'm also looking forward to seeing what happens there and i I'm, I'm very invested in uh, Kyler and Vi's relationship. I, I want that to work out. Do you have time for a real quick worst of the best? Uh, I, no, we do not. Okay. We, right. we do not. We'll leave that to you no. listeners. I think we already did plenty of worst of the best. And, yeah. you know, as we usually do, we're, we're quite picky at times. But this book was in a you know solid, solidly above average book that we both gave seven to eight ratings on. And... I think there are legit things that disappointed us, but at the end of the day, it was a very good book. Yep. The book is as conflicted as Kyler. <laughs> Basically. All right. Thanks, Josh. See you later. See you.